Official Silver Spoons podcast. How's everyone doing today? I'm doing well. I had a great afternoon. The sun was out for a short amount of time, and I went to Golden Corral for lunch with Jeremy, and it was pretty good. Uh, definitely a lot better than the last time we went there, which was, gosh, how many? It's been a long, quite a while, and clearly. It looks like the place is quite a bit bigger. There's a bigger food selection, and the food just doesn't taste generic or look generic looking. It's a lot better. Plus, the reason I went is because my coworker talked it up because he had just went there. It's like, oh my gosh, your food is so amazing. It's so better than what you thought it was. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. We'll go for lunch, and we did, and it was amazing. I actually tried um, yesterday Panera f- for the first time, and let me tell you, it was right around lunchtime, so it was getting kind of busy, and I noticed that people were, like, starting to come in behind me, so I was getting a little nervous, and I'm like, I just got, like, a grilled cheese that they added a piece of bacon to, and a baguette, which, as I'm eating the baguette, I'm thinking, you know... This would probably taste a lot better if I had, like, some soup to dunk it in. So next time I go there, I am definitely going to go there before noon and get some soup. Because the baguette was yummy, but it's like, gosh, this is dry. Soup would be great to dunk this in and, you know, kind of uh, wet it down and soak up the, the soup and stuff like that. Well, today, we finally reached the end of Season 3. Season 3, Episode 24, entitled The Babysitters, which aired on April 7th, 1985. In this episode... Guys, this is another serious episode. In this episode, Rick babysits a girl he suspects was taken from her mother by her father. As I said in the last episode, this is a very similar plot that would later this year of 1985 be done in the second season of Punky Brewster. That episode is season 2 episode 12 entitled Milk Does a Body Good. In this episode Punky and Cherry learn that a girl who moved into the building recently was kidnapped by her divorced father and they are both living in the building under assumed names. This episode would air December 1st 1985. So that was about eight months between this episode and the season finale of, season three finale of Silver Spoons. Also, this episode of Punky Brewster stars the one and only, you know her, you love her, Full House and Fuller House alum Candace Cameron. Or should I say Candace Cameron Bure, who played Julie Whitney slash Jennifer Bates. And she was... You know, quite young. This would have been at least two years 
before, even just a, like a month or so shy of two years before she started on Full House. So she's such a cute, adorable girl. So this episode was directed by Marlene Laird, L-A-I-R-D, writers David W. Duplin, Ron Levitt, Michael G. Moy, Bob Ills, James R. Stein, Stephen Pritzker, Howard Leeds, Ben Starr, and Martin Cohen. There is a boy in here that may be familiar if, may look familiar if you're familiar with the show Mr. Belvedere. He would have played Danny O'Neill in season two, episode 16, Wesley's Friend, which aired on January 31st, 1986. He was a young boy, Danny O'Neill, Wesley's friend, who had contracted the AIDS virus. He was a hemophiliac, just like Ryan White was. And yeah, when I saw uh, on YouTube, there was a little promo for the Babysitter's episode. I'm like, I know that boy. I know that boy. That boy is Danny. It's kind of funny because the Owens family in Mr. Belvedere lives in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And of course, the Stratton family lives in New York. So they're not very far from each other. We also get a cute little girl named Beth. She's going to be the child in question with the father who's kidnapped her. LaGloria Scott. That's an interesting name because it's L-A and then capital G, Gloria Scott. Oh, she played Marilyn in uh, Different Strokes. Arnold Saves a Squirrel. Oh, this is from season seven. Guys, I haven't even seen this episode. I'm not even uh Wait. Never mind. Yes, I am currently on uh, season seven of Different Strokes. Excuse me. <laughs> she also played in Webster as Charlene Chambers. So the girl kind of, you know, running the circuit of 80s sitcoms. A, you know, one-bit player, which is cool. I do have the first two seasons of Webster, which I, w I can't wait to eventually watch that. Once I'm done with Different Strokes, which should be most likely probably late October, early November, I think I'm going to wait on starting any new shows because watching Different Strokes, I started watching season one probably late March or early April, and I'm just now started season seven. So I'm probably going to wait to start anything new until maybe the next year might do facts of life i have all those um the dvd set um i have the first season to give me a break just so i can kind of try it out if i like it i might jump in by the whole series now even though this is the last episode of season three i do have three episodes that i didn't cover that are holiday themed episodes that i'm going to do um a Dark and Stormy Night is episode 5 of season 3. I'm going to do that in October. In that episode, it's A Dark and Stormy Night as Edward encourages Rick and his friends to tell a past the ghost story, which sounds really cute. Um, in November, around Thanksgiving, I am going to be covering the two-parter, season 3, episodes 7 and 8, Village of the Darn, part 1 and part 2. In, this episode, in these episodes... Ricky and Alfonso are disappointed when they're unable to go to a Thanksgiving party. It, really, a party. What, with your friends? Who are not going to be hanging out with their families during Thanksgiving? <laughs> I don't think so. 
as Edward, Kate, and Dexter have decided to take them on a surprise trip to the Caribbean island of St. Ignace in the company plane which Kate is piloting. So Kate's got her pilot's license. That's awesome. In part two, the Strattons make an emergency landing on a Caribbean island where they have Thanksgiving dinner. This is going to be... This is going to be cute. I bet anything. Granted, these episodes are all pre-Edward and Kate wedding. Of course, the last episode of season three. Season, uh, the holiday-themed episode, season three, episode 11, entitled, Twas the Night Before Christmas. It's Christmas time, but Alfonso is sad to learn he won't be spending the holidays with his mother while Freddie and his family are, are homeless. Um, I remember catching this, you know, of course, it was a rerun because it was 1984 and I only would have been two, but I would catch the reruns on TV in the afternoon on the weekends and stuff like that. Um, I remember this episode specifically because I remember Alfonso, I think he sings like Silent Night or something like that. And um, yeah, what I've planned to do... And if you've been listening to the podcast for the last month or so, or a couple months, I've mentioned repeatedly that I'm going to be starting up season four in January. So we're going to start fresh, new season, new year. I got new cover art I just designed. I'm very happy. I love it. It's so great. So great. It just symbolizes how in season one through three, Rick... And his dad are, you know, they're getting to know each other. They're working together and everything. Together we're going to find our way. It's during a camping trip. They're both kind of, you know, they're shaking hands. That's a great image. You just show, you know, together we're going to find our way. I like that. For season four and five, I wanted something that symbolizes that now that Kate is added to the family because she and Edward are married. It's a picture of Edward, Rick is in the middle, and Kate is on the end. They're flipping through a, f- a family photo book, which I believe is part of the opening of season... I think it's season five, because the intro there has like a little bit of a rock uh, type of vibe to it. But I just thought I wanted something new to set off the final two seasons of the show, where Rick is older now, and... You know, his dad is now married, and now they're a family of three. And I just thought, it's like, together we're going to find our way. As in, now we've grown as a family, we've come together, and we're still finding our way along this this road as a family of three. And I just thought, this is, that's exactly in my mind. That's the picture I wanted for the final two seasons of the show. So after I'm done covering this episode, The Babysitters, I will spend a smidge of time kind of giving you an insight or an overview into what to expect from season four. There are going to be a few serious episodes, maybe not nearly as many as we've gotten in like either season one or two. There's been like a couple here and there. I don't even think there's hardly any in season five. It's mainly goopy stuff. Like when I was... (laughs) thinking of doing this podcast and I'm going through season four, season five and I'm just looking at Jeremy like, there is a lot of straight up goof to the thousandth degree episodes where it's like the plot is just absolutely horrendously ridiculous 
it's off the wall, makes no sense. It's like, but I'm covering every episode. And Jeremy's like, you gotta do it. You made a commitment. You gotta do every single episode. So I'm like, alright, alright. I'll do it. <laughs> but we'll get there when we get there. Alright. Um, for the newbies that are just hopping aboard the Stratton train, let me tell you how to follow along with the podcast. You can go to Facebook at Taylor, so, uh, we're going to find our way, an unofficial Silver Spoons podcast. You can go to Instagram at Silver Spoons Podcast. Or if you've been listening since the very beginning when I started covering Punky Brewster, the podcast is called Punky Power. You can just keep doing what you're doing, just following along with the Punky Power podcast Facebook page or the Punky Power PB podcast on either Twitter or on, (laughs) oh my goodness, Um, Instagram, guys, I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Also, right now, I'm currently dealing with a sore and stiff neck. I don't know how that happened. I think I just slept on my neck wrong. I just had a really... My dreams, I take a sleep aid to help me sleep at night. And let me tell you, my dreams are very vivid and sometimes they can be really... They can be creepy, they can be stressful, they can be a combination of both. And it just, whether I was reacting to something in my sleep and I was twisting my neck a certain way, I don't know. But my neck is just, it's been stiff, it's been sore, I've been using a heating pad, it's not helping. My sister suggested like doing a deep tissue massage. Maybe I can see if the place I go to has like a half hour type of massage for something like that because it really, I'm hoping that it just goes away in a day or so because this is going to be uncomfortable to work. My head is normally down when I'm working, looking at what I'm doing. So, uh, just uh, say a prayer. Say a prayer for me. Light a candle for me. <laughs> it really hurts. Um, but alright, let's get into this episode. We open up the episode in the living room. Rick is on the phone. The duck phone is not there. It's probably in the library. He's on a pale yellow phone. Edward looks like he's dressed up. He's going somewhere with Kate, most likely. Rick is conducting business. He's talking to Mrs. Warpleman, and Rick is like got his feet up on the desk just a chillin relaxing and that nice comfy leather chair rick refers to himself as rb stratton of of sitting pretty babysitting corp he's the president and the chief executive of sitting pretty baby babysitting corp granted the lady he's talking to recognizes his voice. He's like, yes, this is Ricky, the boy next door. The kid next door is like, yeah, mm, have you gone through and become a certified babysitter complete with all the stuff you need to know for emergencies like CPR and all that other stuff that you need to know? Heimlich, rem- uh, Heimlich maneuver? Probably not. So, I guess she goes with it because, great, that's awesome, Mrs. Warbleman. I'll t- 
talk to you next week. As Edward bellows from downstairs, Kate, let's go. We're going to be late. Get a move on. Yeah, that's how I want to conduct my business with someone bellowing in the damn background. Yep, uh-huh. <laughs> I apologize for swearing. Guys, normally this is a clean podcast. I'm going to slap myself on the hand. I just did it. Yep. What does RB stand for? I want to know. Rick babysitters or something? Will we know what RB stands for? Because I kind of want to know. So he's got three kids today and six next week. Wow. You are smoking, buddy. So basically what happens is... Rick doesn't watch any kids. That's pretty much left up to Freddie, and we don't see Leslie Crambottom, but we get her name mentioned. Because apparently she and Freddie are still hot and heavy. They're like, uh, they're tight. And they're the baby watchers. And Rick's fee is $3 an hour per kid. And they pay Freddie and Leslie Crambottom a buck fifty to watch an hour to watch the kids. Alfonso and he keep the rest. So you're getting half of what the people are paying you to do nothing except for set up appointments. Uh huh. I'm gonna play this clip. Hello, Miss Whipperman. This is R.B. Stratton, President and Chief Executive of Sitting Pretty Babysitting Court. Yes, this is Ricky, the kid next door. <laughs> Kate, come on, hurry up. we got to get a move on. Terrific, Ms. Werpelman. We'll start next week. So you signed up another customer, huh, R.B.? Yeah, that's three kids today and six for next week. Oh, that's terrific, son. Sounds like a pretty big responsibility. How are you going to babysit all these kids? See, that's the beauty of this. We don't have to babysit anybody. We just count the big bucks. You see, we charge $3 an hour per kid. Then we pay Leslie Crambottom and Freddie each a dollar fifty now to watch them. Alfonso and I keep the rest. Boy, is this exciting. Now I know how Colonel Sanders felt when he saw his first chicken. <laughs> Kate, please! <laughs> well, it's about time. Yeah, she's deaf now, thank you. You know, before we were married, you never did all this shoe worrying. Edward, I have always been a shoe worrier. I almost checked myself into the Buster Brown Clinic. <laughs> Honey, we gotta hurry. Oh, oh, do you have your keys? I'll wait for you in the garage. We don't want to be late. Right, right. The so Rick compares himself to Colonel Sanders. <laughs> you, sir, are no Colonel Sanders. So Edward turns and screams for Kate again. Of course, he doesn't realize she's standing right behind him, and she is now deaf. Thank you, Edward. Thank you for making your wife deaf. Because you had to scream right in her face. Granted, he's worried about her making them late, when now he is making them late because she's like, Honey, do you have your keys? He's like patting his suit jacket in his pockets. And he runs off. I'd be like, great, now you're the reason we're going to be late. Thank you. I'll go wait in the car. And I guess she was having a shoe issue. He's like, wow, honey, before we were married, I didn't know of this shoe problem that you had. She's like, oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. I almost checked myself into the Buster Brown Clinic. It's like, 
Well, before you were married, she didn't live with you, so you probably had no idea what type of shoe debacles and that she was going through. How much you want to bet Kate's shoe collection probably takes up more than half of their closet? Like, before we were married, you never did all this shoe worrying. She's probably got a shoe for every single day of the week, every occasion, depending on every outfit. You gotta have a certain type of shoe. I'm not that way. I just have a... I probably have maybe less than five pairs of shoes. Although, if you want to count boots, I have maybe a pair or two pairs. The doorbell rings... And Ricky grabs the door opener from the coffee table. That thing has got awesome range. That's at least, I'd say, 20 plus feet between, bef the, between the couch and the door. So Alfonso's showing up with the three goobs. We got two boys, a brunette, a blonde, and an adorable little girl with a Cabbage Patch doll. The blonde-haired boy has got... I'm sorry, no. Little Danny, Wesley's best friend from Mr. Belvedere, complete with the glasses, has got the bow and arrow. The blonde-haired kid is carrying a box that looks like it's got a model... like, airplane Star Wars figure inside of it. And the look on Rick's face is like, why did you bring them here, Freddy? And Leslie are supposed to be watching them at their places. I don't... See, the whole point of me running this business and making appointments is that I don't actually have to interact with the kids. <laughs> Alfonso, what are you doing here with them? You're supposed to be taking them to Leslie's and her to Freddy's. Rick, we've got a problem. <laughs> Freddy had to leave school early because he had 20 stings from his science project, our friend the bee. And Leslie quit when she found out we had the Bramlett brothers. <laughs> hey, look at nice boys. Looks can be deceiving. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, I'm off. Huh. <laughs> Rick, you didn't tell me we were bringing him here. Oh, well, sitting pretty babysitting corp is having a temporary manpower shortage. Well, okay. If you have a problem, the housekeeper's here. All right. Yeah, Kate, I'm coming, I'm coming. Dad, did you change your shoes? <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured... As long as I was upstairs. <laughs> People, can I have your attention? Don't touch anything. Welcome to the big house. Now, we're all going to get along fine, as long as you remember this. There is one way of doing things. My way. <laughs> Got it? Yes, sir. I can't hear you. Yeah! Never forget who's in charge. Yeah, Alfonso comes in with the three kids. Rick's like, what are you bringing them here for? And Alfonso says, well, um, apparently Freddy got 20 bee stings and has to go to the emergency room. 
because, you know, he doesn't have his EpiPen. And Leslie quit when she found out that she'd be watching the Brown... Bronson Brown... What are their names? Brown Brothers? Bramley Brothers. Okay. And apparently the boys were going to go to Leslie and the girl was going to go to Freddy. What? Why don't you swap? Because I'm sure that little girl would love to play with Leslie. And I'm sure those boys would just dominate Freddy like no tomorrow because of his, you know, weakling stature. Yeah, Leslie quit. Like, I'm not watching those boys. Apparently they have a reputation about being little hellions. Like, pre-problem child Junior Healy. Rick looks at the kid boys like, oh, you know, these kids look fine. I'm sure they're harmless. Of course, brunette glasses boy is like, well, looks can be deceiving. Yes, devil smile. Yep. What's the other boy? I'm going to look him up because I wonder who he is. So the boy's name, I'm guessing, is Tyler Jacobs. He, before Silver Spoons, this one episode, he plays Tommy. He was in a movie, TV movie called Memories Never Die as young Sean. The description for that movie is very, um, looks very emotionally draining. I don't think I'd be able to watch it. Um, he was in Santa Barbara as Swiss Boy. He was in Mega 64 in 06, playing Gary Bang. This what in the world is the is 18 episodes as two guys that are dressed like the Super Mario Brothers? In the not-too-distant future, a former video game programmer and mad scientist, Dr. Poku, grows weary of the world's games, shunned by society, and invents the most powerful video game console ever created, the Mega 64 machine powerful enough to download old games into a user's brain... Boring, 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 so boring. There's only 18 episodes. Good. It looks like something that's so... The picture alone looks like people just used special effects off the computer and they filmed it and just went on the road with a handheld camera and filmed it. Terror in Pharaoh's Tomb. He doesn't even have a character listed. And he was in a short called... Storm as Man in Locker in 2019. This kid looks honestly. Oh, he's got other credits. Oh, uh, he was a writer on Yo 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 Gabba Gabba for two episodes, Aquabats Super Show, um, Art Department, um, Director, Miscellaneous Crew for Sons of Anarchy for an episode, Set Production Assistant. Animation director for Yo Gabba Gabba the movie. The kid, you know, the blonde haired kid, you know who he makes me think of? He looks like a kid who might have been turned down for the role of Ben Seaver in Growing Pains. Because he's got the same blonde hair, the same type of Jeremy Miller, Ben Seaver face. Tyler finally comes down after retrieving his keys, but he also took the time to change his shoes. For someone who's bellowing about his wife having a shoe problem, he sure took his time to change his own shoes. While poor Kate is sitting in the garage looking at her watch constantly like, Honey, we're going to be late. We're going to be late. Where are you, Edward? Oh my gosh. You're not using me as an excuse for being late this time. 
So on his way to the garage, Edward stops and sees these three kids. Like, who are these children? Why are they in my house? I didn't say they could be here. Looks at these kids like he's never seen a child before. Granted, when Ricky showed up on his doorstep, he was like 12. So these kids clearly look like they're anywhere between the ages of 7 and 9 years old. It's like, Ricky didn't say you were bringing them here. And Rick's like, oh, well, sitting pretty baby corp is having a manpower issue. Or shortage. And he says, hey, Rick, look, if you got a problem, the housekeeper is here to help you out. Really? Did she sign up for that too? Or are you going to pay her extra on payday? Well, Rick treats these children like soldiers. Like, people, may I have your attention, please? I am in charge. You are not. You will do what I say. Or you're going to be sitting on the couch for the next six hours staring at the TV in the off position. Your choice. Right away in the next scene, the kids have taken over the asylum. They have taken over the Stratton house. They're running amok. The boys are, of course. The girl's just a sweet little strawberry shortcake. Love how Rick refers to his place as the big house. Like, basically, you're in prison. And there's only one way to do things, and that's my way. I love that he's establishing himself as the authority figure. It's basically like a drill sergeant. He looks at the kids, he's like, got it? They're like, yes, sir. And he's like, I can't hear you. And they're like, yes, sir. He's a drill sergeant. <laughs> and he leaves them with these parting words. Never forget who's in charge. Well, it's not Rick anymore. As we see Rick sitting on the couch with one of those rubber-tipped, suction-cupped bow and arrow sets. As he yanks it off of him, he's, oh, yeah. Got the blonde-haired Ben Seaver look-alike sitting at the desk taking apart the telephone. That's wonderful. I like how Beth is sitting right next to Ricky. Ricky's asking for the bow and arrow. And Beth is like, yeah, you have to listen to what Mr. Stratton says. And Rick's like, yeah, look, Beth, I can take care of this. Look, kid, just give me, Henry, give me the bow and arrow. I'll give it back to you. And Henry's like, yeah, well, you better. My dad's going to come over and beat you up. Like, good grief. Obviously forgot who's in charge. <laughs> Henry, what might I tell you about the bow and arrow? Yeah. What did Mr. Stratton tell you about the bow and arrow? Quiet. Only Mr. Stratton gets to yell at me. I can handle this, Beth. Yes, I'm not yelling, Henry. Just give me the bow. Okay. Listen, I'll return it to you later. You better. Mm. I'll get my dad to come over and beat you up. <laughs> Look, Mr. Stratton! Tommy! Get back in here. read stories in Captain Kangaroo. I kind of model myself after him. <laughs> so then the seven dwarves returned. I was here first. You promised to play checkers, Mr. Stratton. I know I did, Henry, after I read this story. Well, it's taking too long. Okay, listen, listen, listen. I'll do both, all right? <laughs> the seven dwarves returned to find Snow White asleep. She'd eaten the poison. What's your move? I'm moving, I'm moving. Wait. 
apple the witch had given her. She slept for many a day. Then all the little kings... You did not. You can't make those moves. Who says? Oh, I think I know checkers, pal. <laughs> You're not real. Okay, okay. Alfonso! Tommy. Where'd he go? He's probably hiding somewhere. That's the way he gets attention. I taught him. <laughs> Alfonso, one of the kids is missing. Which one? Tommy, I'm gonna check outside. I'll check in there. Rick, I think I found them. Oh, great. You gotta be kidding me! What in the world? So, Beth just loves Ricky. I think she's got a little crush on him. But uh, she says, Ricky, can, or Rick, can you um, read me a story? And he starts reading the story. And uh, Glasses Boy, Henry, I believe his name is, tries to squeeze in between Rick and Beth. And Beth's like, I was here first. And Henry's like, but Rick, you said you played checkers with me, Mr. Stratton. And Rick's like, fine, I'll do both. And he starts reading, and then he moves a piece on the checkerboard. And Henry goes and starts hopping along the board. He's like, I win. I beat an old person. And Rick's like, no, you didn't. That's not how you play checkers. And of course, dang, Tommy keeps running off here and there, and they can't find him. Alfonso's making the sandwiches. I thought they had someone who could make sandwiches, like the housekeeper. Can she make sandwiches? Apparently not, because... Alfonso's making the sandwiches. They finally find Tommy in the library, having pulled a good portion of books down onto the floor. And he's sitting in the middle of them. Like, kid, you are old enough not to act like that. This kid's got to be eight years old. Give me a break. So, we see the lady who these two boys belong to, Henry and Tommy, and Rick is like, oh yeah, they're perfect, model, good-behaved children. And she leaves and he shuts the door. So that means that Beth is the last one there. No problem at all. They're model children. <laughs> and when they grow up, they're going to be model prisoners. So why don't you go home? What about uh, her? I can handle her. <laughs> well, Rick, if you have any trouble, yeah, don't call me. shuts the door on that lady with the two boys. I was like, yeah, they're gonna be model citizens, alright, in prison. <laughs> so he goes over to the couch. Alfonso leaves, like, hey, if you have any trouble, don't call me. 
It's like, it's just... Beth, she's absolutely fine. She's no trouble whatsoever. Rick goes over to the couch thinking he's going to take a little nappy nap. It's like, you're still technically babysitting. So, no. Beth introduces her Cabbage Patch doll, Mandy Jean, and she drew a picture for Rick. Aw, that's so sweet. And Rick looks at the picture. No doubt, this picture of him looks like Macaulay Culkin. Or... Oh, is that a little rat tail on the end? I see. Oh, that's kind of creative. But yeah, it makes me think of... Remember that cartoon, Wish Kid? That was on... I think it was on, like, Fox on Saturday mornings. That voice... Macaulay Culkin voiced him. Yeah. So, of course, Rick's kind of critiquing it a little. Like, why is my hair green? And Mandy's like, oh, well... Or, not Mandy. Not, not the doll. Um, Beth is like, well, I ran out of purple. You didn't have yellow, sweetie? I thought it was like a little yellow brownish, but it, it now that Rick mentions it's green, it, it kind of does look a little green. So Beth notices the picture of Kate and Edward. Like, oh, is that your mommy and daddy? And he's like, oh no, this is my stepmommy. Oh, his dad and stepmommy or stepmother, yeah. He says how his real mom lives somewhere else. So this picture, I remember actually this picture of. Kate and Edward, this wedding picture, has a fuchsia background, and it's in, like, a wood frame versus the black and white photo that was in a silver frame. So she is like, wow, you have two mommies? You're really lucky. And she tells Rick how lucky he is. And she kind of mutters to herself looking down, sometimes I wish I had a mommy again. I mean, you probably think, like, oh, her mom's probably, you know, passed on or something. So, Rick looks at her and he's like, oh, what happened to yours? And immediately, Beth changes the subject. So, she's like, hey, let's draw a mirror ground. And Rick is like, well, no, sweetie, you didn't answer my question. She turns to face Rick and says, I can't tell you, it's a secret. This isn't good. But I'm going to play this clip. Who's pretending? You're funny. Hi, I'm Mandy Jean. Happy to meet you, Mandy Jean. Nice to meet you, too. Mr. Stratton, I drew a picture of you. Want to see it? Sure. Looks just like me. Wait a minute, you didn't answer my question. I can't tell you, it's a secret. 
The only person I ever told is Mandy Jean. Okay. <laughs> what did you say, Mandy Jean? Excuse me. Well, okay, Mandy Jean. Mandy Jean asked me if she could tell you the secret. Great. You have to promise not to tell anybody else. I promise. When Beth was very little, her daddy came to her nursery school and said that they were going to move away because her mommy never wanted to see her again. You have to promise not to tell anybody else because my daddy said that if you do, he'll get in a lot of trouble. So I get her hesitation and everything, but it's like, sweetie, you opened up this can of worms, you can't just... But she's a kid, though, so she's like, oops, said, said too much. And I like how she does use the doll to speak to speak through the doll to speak to Rick about what happened. Turns out her daddy or father came to nursery school because Beth looks like she's maybe five, six years old tops. And he came to her nursery school, picked her up, and told her her mother didn't want to see her anymore. Excuse me? Which... That is very disturbing. And it's even more disturbing that, you know, she's a kid. Of course, why would she think her dad would lie to her, right? And of course, you know, why would she think to question her father or his motives to, you know... But then in the Punky Brewster episode in season two, Milk Does a Body Good, the girl who plays Julie slash Jennifer, her father pretty much told her the same story. But they'd been on the road for quite a while and constantly going to different schools, changing their names. And Beth, of course, tells Rick that he cannot say anything. He can't repeat this to anybody because her daddy will get in big, big trouble. He'll get taken away by the police. Like, whoa. And Rick is just kind of sitting there taking in all this information. Like, oh my gosh. So in the next scene, Edward and Kate come back from their dinner and Edward is carrying a medium-sized vase. It's got some really cool decorative designs. You can't really see it under the bubble wrap. And he asks Rick, like, hey, how'd it go with the babysitting? And Rick's like, well, we survived. You know, um, Beth is still there waiting to be picked up by her dad. And, of course, one of the boys left that rubber snake there. And Kate just freaks out. Like, she probably thinks it's a real snake. And she lets out a loud scream. Oh, remember that um, drum that Rick walked into when he was looking at that picture of Wanda in The Secret Life of Rick Strat Ricky Stratton. It's been repaired. Front of that uh, bottom drum has been, the front of it's been repaired. 
So Rick goes to pick it up and just says, oh, it's Henry straight Snake. It's just complete rubber. And Edward kind of laughs it off like, yeah, Kate, it's only rubber. He turns, clutching his heart. Like, oh, I almost had a heart attack at 40. They went to an auction? I thought they were going to a dinner with, fr with friends. That's what they said when they walked out the door. Did they do that first and then go to the auction? I didn't know they were stopping by an auction. Interesting. And Rick, of course, wants to get his dad alone, you know, to talk to him and everything. So Edward turns and sees Beth standing there. And he's like, oh, hi. What's your name? She's like, Beth. And, of course, Kate is like, oh, you're very pretty. She is a very pretty girl. Adorable. So I'm going to play this clip. Hey, son. How'd it go? We survived. Barely. Henry Snake, it's it's only rubber. It's only rubber, Kate. <laughs> Hi, what's your name? Beth. Oh, you're very pretty. Thank you. Dad, can I speak to you? Uh, Rick, hang on a sec. I want to set this thing down. Take a look at this gorgeous vase we got at the auction. Well, I wouldn't say we exactly intended to buy it. I was waving hello to Dexter across the room, and I heard, sold to the man in the blue sport coat for $2,000. Oh, my God. $2,000 for that thing? It's for a very good cause. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where do you want to put it? How about that table over there? <laughs> the one with the frog on it? You don't like my frog? Oh, I wouldn't say that. You hate it. That I would say. <laughs> oh, Aga. She doesn't understand us. Dad, I really need to talk to you. Okay, son, what's up? Daddy! Hi, sweetheart. Hi, <laughs> Well, hello to you, too. Rick, how you doing? Oh, fine. Everything go okay? Fine. Good. Hi, I'm Edward Stratton. Oh, it's my hi. wife, Kate. Hi. Pleasure Ken Barton. Your boy sure came through in a pinch. My regular babysitter just decided she'd rather goof off. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> Does your wife work? Uh, no, we're divorced. Honey, you got everything now? We all set? One sec. Okay. Kiss Randy Jean goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> She likes you. I like her. Great. Okay, we ready? All right, we're off. Yeah. Bye, honey. All right, bye-bye. Okay, take care. Nice meeting you. Nice to meet you. Pleasure. See you Rick, thanks a lot. Bye. See you tomorrow, bye -bye. and uh, thanks again. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. $2,000 for that medium-sized vase with a couple on it who are dressed very elegantly. Of course, Kate would just love it. They decide where to put it. Like, oh, how about on that table? And I'm looking at the table. There's already a ginormous ceramic frog there. And I'm thinking, well, that's going to have to be moved. That's Edward's prized possession. He's like, oh, my frog. You hate my frog, don't you? And she's like, mm, I wouldn't say I hate it. <laughs> but he does move it so she can put the vase. I don't know. That little round table, that makes me nervous. That just looks like any... Thing or anyone would knock that down and it would shatter into a million pieces. Rick is like, Dad, I really need to talk to you. Of course, it's interrupted when 
Uh, Beth's father comes to pick her up. And Edward introduces himself and Kate. They ask about um, Beth's father's wife, who he just says they're divorced. Which, the whole time, we cut back to Rick's expression. is like, this guy is lying through his teeth. I know it. So, uh, Beth's... I keep wanting to say Mandy, dang it. Um, but Beth grabs, uh, Mandy Jean, goes over to Rick, says, kiss Mandy Jean goodbye. He's like, <laughs> the adults are all looking at him. Like, ah, fine. <laughs> and, um, Beth is going to be back tomorrow. So Rick will be able to see her again. Hopefully suss out a little more information. And Edward and Kate are like, well, yeah, he seems really good, pretty cool guy. So Rick's like, yeah, maybe he's a decent guy. And Edward kind of looks at him like, what are you talking about? Rick tells him straight out, like, I think the guy stole Beth from her mom. And they kind of look at him like, what are you talking about? And Edward says, well, where did you get that information? Rick's like, well, her doll told me. And they look at him like, uh, what? And he says, well, what I mean is Beth told me through her doll. So Rick says, well, she told me her dad went to pick her up one day from nursery school and said that her mother never wanted to see her again. Like, that is harsh and disturbing. Just wow. Wow. And Beth told Rick that it was a big secret, that he couldn't tell anybody. So Kate right away jumps on this and says, Edward, maybe we should check this out with the police. I, I think maybe you should. But Edward's a little, like, I don't know if we should go be that drastic just yet. If we should go that far. Like, let's, maybe Beth is confused. Maybe she doesn't know what she's talking about. Maybe, you know, she's a kid. Kids make things up. So Kate's like, hey, look, how much harm could a phone call do? And he's like, all right, you talked me into it. I mean, if anything, you're, you end up being wrong and the guy just is irritated with you and his daughter for spilling a, you know, if it's supposedly not true, what's the guy have to be angry about, right? Seems like a nice guy. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, what's the matter? This may sound crazy and bizarre, but I think he may have stolen Beth away from her mom. What? Where'd you get that? Her doll told me. <laughs> I mean is Beth told me through her doll. What exactly did she tell you? She said that some time ago her father came to pick her up in nursery school and told her her mom never wanted to see her again. Beth told me it was a big secret. Edward, maybe we should check this out with the police. You really think we should call the police? Well, how much harm can a phone call be? Okay. Rick, I just have one question. Yeah, Dad? Has this doll ever lied to you before? <laughs> okay, thank you. Nothing, huh? Sergeant Henshaw, check the National Crime Information computer. It has a list of missing children. Her name is not on it. You're not convinced, are you, Rick? No. Why would you tell me her father took her away and her mom never wanted to see her again? <laughs> I hate to say it, Rick, but uh, a lot of couples, when they get a divorce, say ugly things about each other. That's true. Mom was pretty rough when she talked about Dad. 
bet. She said stuff like you were a, a bozo, flake, showerhead. No, that's chowderhead. <laughs> Thanks, Kate, for clearing that up. Yeah. Dad, I want you to know I never believed any of that stuff. I always dreamed my dad would be this really great guy. Wow. Thanks, son. And when I found you, you were even better than I hoped for. I try. Anyway, I know what you mean. I mean, when you hear things and you're a little kid, it doesn't make sense like it does when you're older. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid, my dad used to say to me, shape up or ship out. And I imagined that down at the docks, there was a whole boatload of kids who didn't shape up. So they got shipped out. And I remember I was deathly afraid of being swooshed down the bathtub drain. Me too. That's where all the vampires lived. Oh, I didn't know that. Guys, oh, yeah. <laughs> please, let's see on. Yeah. Well, maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's just my imagination that's gone crazy. Thanks a lot, all right? Ignoramus. <laughs> so, Edward gets on the phone with Sergeant Henshaw, who looked through the missing children's database on the computer, and he found nothing in regards to saying that Beth is a missing child. National Crime Information Computer. Well, there may not be anything there in New York, but what about where... Oh, I'm getting too far ahead. Cheesy. <laughs> so, and Kate looks at Rick, who's just really frustrated, and she's like, you're not convinced, are you? He's like, no. I mean, why would Beth tell me that her dad took her away? And that doesn't make any sense. Why would a kid make up a story like that? And Kate says, well, you know, sometimes children, you know, of divorce, you know, divorced parents say really mean things about their spouses to try to get back at them. And you know that what a kid hears, they're going to repeat to the other parent. Or... In other words, they're going to say, your mommy didn't want you anymore, your daddy didn't want you anymore, in a way to get the child on their side. Like, which is just absolutely cruel. Yeah, when couples get divorced, they say some ugly things about each other. And Rick kind of goes into, oh yeah, you should have heard the stuff that mom was saying about dad. Whew. He says, mom was pretty rough when she talked about you, dad. You should have heard the things she said. She called him a bozo and a flake showerhead, which Kate's like, oh, no, I think you mean chowderhead. And Edward just kind of looks at Kate like, okay, we didn't need that clarification from you. And Rick says, you know, Dad, I never thought any of that stuff about you, whatever she was saying. I always thought you were this great, amazing guy. And who knew when I finally met you that... Everything that I dreamed up about you would come true. That you actually were this upstanding, awesome guy. And Rick says, you know, when you hear things when you're a kid, it doesn't make sense. Like how when you're older and you start to understand. Like, reading between the lines, like you listen to your parents a little bit more and you're seeing the hurt and the anger that comes along underneath those words. 
that sometimes a parent, you realize that a parent is just saying that stuff because they're angry and they want to hurt the other person. When in turn, the one they're really hurting is the child by saying those things. You know, trying to turn the child against the other parent. It's like, it's, it's sad that a kid has to be put into that position. So Edward says, yeah, I remember when my dad, when I was a kid, my dad used to say to me, ship, uh, shape up or ship out. And he's like, yeah, I, I just picture in my head there'd be like, down at the docks, there'd be these kids that are all waiting to be shipped out because they're bad. And then Kate's like, yeah, I remember when I was a child and I was deathly afraid of the bathroom drain. And Edward's like, yeah, because there are vampires down there. And they're connecting on that level. And Rick's just like, that is not what I'm referring to. I'm going off on a serious, you know, explaining something, and you're off talking about sailors and kids being shipped out into sea and vampires in the bathroom drains. Oh, because Edward's like, yeah, I was afraid of the drain too. That's where all the vampires lived. And Kate looks at him like, they're both, Edward and Kate are on the couch. She's like, I didn't know that. I'm like, guys, guys, come on, let's, let's, Stick with what's actually happening. This serious story here. This situation of possible child kidnapping. And you're talking about vampires in the sewers. Or the the bathtub drains or whatever. So Rick just kind of chalks it up like, maybe you guys are right. Maybe I'm just reading way too much into this with what um, Beth was saying about her dad. She could have been making this up. I don't know. Kids, you know how the kids, kids like to talk, use their imagination. And Rick goes to leave, but turns back and says, Hey, Dad, no matter what Mom said, you were never an ignoramus. Granted, Kate's like, ignoramus. Like, yeah, uh-huh. Thank you for clearing that up. Okay, in the next scene, the, ugh, why did he take those dang boys back? They're not worth the $3 an hour that you're getting paid. This is nuts. Because they're on the train. Like, Rick couldn't even use that train in season one without Edward being there for safety reasons. Yeah, here's Henry sitting on top of it, just riding along. Ugh. There's got to be an off switch somewhere on that thing. Or, or something. Cut the electricity with it or something. If that kid falls off and gets run over, you guys are going to be in trouble. You always get an applause for the train. Clearly it's the next day. Rick is wearing a blue. It's mainly blue. Like dark blue with lighter shades of like white and light blue mixed into it. It's like a yarn sweater. So Tommy and Alfonso go chasing after the train with Henry on top of it. Beth's on the couch with Mandy Jean. I think... Rick's going to try to suss out some more information from her. Maybe yesterday was a fluke. Maybe she was just making it up. Like, and Rick just sits down in the chair at the desk and just says, Why me? Actually, now that I look into that sweater, it almost looks kind of like a cable knit handmade sweater. But it's like, Rick, if you don't want to do this babysitting thing, you don't necessarily have to. Granted, he did make a commitment, so may as well see this through. Who's that lady? <laughs> the 
That's no lady. That's Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> See, I'm studying the American Revolution. What are you talking about? The guy with the big stick. Used to see him all the time. That's just a picture of the Minuteman statue. Every time I'd see the monster, I'd get so frightened. And then my mommy would hug me and say, everything's going to be all right. Don't worry, Beth. Everything is going to be all right. You wait here. OK. Dad, can I talk to you for a second? I need to talk to you too, son. Look what Tommy did, the tale of two cities. Sorry. Dad, I need to talk to you about Beth. Now, it may just be her imagination, but she said that when she was with her mom, she used to see a monster look like this. The Minuteman? Yeah, it's in Concord, Massachusetts. So my hunch is maybe she used to live there. And maybe her mom still does. Let's check and see if there was ever a Beth from Concord, Massachusetts reported missing, huh? Yes, hello. Uh, could I speak to Sergeant Henshaw, please? Sergeant Henshaw, yes, this is Edward Stratton. Yesterday I spoke to you about a possible missing child named Beth Barton. Yeah, well, we have reason to believe that she may have lived in Concord, Massachusetts before she was abducted. Uh-huh. She's going to check the computer. Yeah? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, we'll be here. Do you have my address? Yeah, right. I used to have the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the front lawn. <laughs> my wife thought it was too Christmassy. There's a frog out there now. Okay, we'll be here. Well, she says that they found out that there was a Beth Thompson who was abducted from her mother over three years ago in Concord, Massachusetts. It's true? How could anybody do that to their own kid? Well, son, sometimes in a divorce situation, parents try to hurt each other through their children. And we don't know all the facts here. Would you have done that if Mom had custody of me? I don't know, son. But you wouldn't tell me my mother never wanted to see me again. No. I wouldn't do that. Nothing justifies that. So Rick's kind of working on his homework while he's also trying to watch the kids along with Alfonso. He's studying the American Revolution in school. Beth recognizes a picture of a statue of the Minutemen statue that's in Concord, Massachusetts, which kind of is ringing some bells in Rick's ears. Like, why would she know this statue? You live in New York. Of course, we get a joke about like, oh, who's that lady? Beth asks. And of course, the audience laughs when he says, oh, that's no lady. That's Thomas Jefferson. So Beth sees the picture of the Minuteman. She's like, oh, no, that's the monster. And Rick's like, what monster? What are you talking about? She's like, that man right there with the big stick. I mean, I get how, I guess, that statue could look scary to a child. It's a guy with a gun. She says how she used to see him all the time. 
<laughs> she said whenever she'd see that statue, she'd get scared, and her mother would take her in her arms and hold her and tell her everything's okay, you're safe, it's not going to hurt you, it's just a statue. So with that, Rick gets up from the desk, takes the book with him into the library where Edward is, and Edward's trying to get those books back on the shelf, and he sees A Tale of Two Cities, where Tommy put a giant, like, five-piece wad of bubblegum on a couple of pages. Those books are probably worth a lot of money, and that kid just destroyed them. Those pages have got to be, like, paper thin. So, Rick's like, yeah, I'm sorry about what Tommy did to your book, but we have a bigger situation here. So he brings the book over to the desk, Edward comes over, and he tells Edward how Beth told him when she was with her mother, she used to see a monster that looked like this guy here, which is the statue. In Concord, Massachusetts is where the Minuteman statue is. And Rick's like, you know, my hunch is I think she used to live there with her mom. And Edward latches onto that clue, like, you know, maybe her mom still does live there. We learn Beth's last name is Beth Barton as Edward talks to Chief Henshaw about having called the other day about a missing child named Beth Barton. Edward says, we think she may at one point have been living with her mother in Concord, Massachusetts. He says that we believe that she may have lived in Concord, Massachusetts when she was abducted. So, uh, Chief Henshaw is checking the computer database to see what she can come up with. Maybe there's a lost, missing child named Beth in, from Massachusetts. And Edward's on the phone and he's like, uh-huh, yeah. And he turns to look at Rick and it's like, oh, we gotta, basically, we gotta lead. Like, she's got something. And it looks like she's, uh, Chief Henshaw's gonna stop by. He's like, yep, we'll be here. Do you have our address? And he's like, oh, well, no. Actually, it doesn't, the yard does not have a reindeer in it, any, on it anymore. Um, my wife thought it looked a little tacky, being it wasn't Christmas time yet. But there is a giant ceramic frog out there on the front lawn. It'll blend in with the glass, the, the grass, so you'll really have to look. How does she know that he used to have a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer on the front lawn? Has she been out there before? Oh, yeah, Kate thought it was too Christmassy. Well, I mean, you don't want that out there in, like, February. It's like, Christmas is over. Funny how the audience starts clapping when Edward's like, Oh, there's a frog out there now. And you hear the audience. It's very, like, a small, like, handful of people just clapped for half a second. They thought that was funny. So, Edward gets off the phone. He stands up, looks at Rick, and says, Turns out there was actually a Beth Thompson who was abducted from her mother three years ago. Three years is a long time. And, and Beth has got to be, what, maybe six years old at this point? So when she was abducted, she was about three. So I don't really see a three-year-old questioning their parent. If their parent says, oh, your mommy didn't want you anymore. They're going to take their other parent at their word. Concord, Massachusetts. All right. Well, that history book just saved that little girl's life. So Rick's really irritated. He's like, so it's true then. I mean, how could anyone do that to their own kid? So Edward explains, it's like, son, sometimes people will try to hurt each other 
through their kid. It's very sick that two people would use their kid like that as a bargaining chip and... And everyone's like, son, we don't have all the facts yet, so let's not be jumping to too many conclusions. But Rick's like, Dad, if Mom had custody, had custody of me, would you have done that? Would you have taken me away from her? And Edward only answers with a, I, I don't know. But Rick also adds, like, yeah, but you wouldn't tell me my mother didn't ever want to see me again. And he's like, no, son, I would never, ever do that to you. I love how Edward extends his arm and pulls Rick to him in a side hug. He's like, no, son, nothing ever justifies that. Like, no, it doesn't. There's nothing that you could say that would justify telling your kid that their parent never wants to see them again. So we see Chief Henshaw on the phone. Kate comes in from the kitchen and she says that Beth is eating the world's largest sundae, so she's occupied. So Kate's like, do you have any news for us, uh, Chief Henshaw? And she says, well, it looks like we found Beth's mom. And Edward and Rick stand up at this, like, such relief is on all three of their faces. And she, Chief Henshaw says that she flew in from Concord, Beth's mom did, and positively identified her ex-husband at the police station. So now we know that her ex-husband has been picked up by the police. So Rick, of course, asked the question we all probably got to wonder, what's going to happen to Beth's dad? And Chief Henshaw says, well, he's been arrested, so now it's up to a judge to handle how that's going to go. So Rick's feeling a little guilty as he says, you know, Beth said if I told her secret that her dad would get in trouble. It's like, yeah, but he kind of needs to. He abducted his daughter for three years. Her mother had no idea where she was. Of course, Edward's got no sympathy for the guy. He's like, well, then maybe he should have thought of that before he took Beth. And Kate's even like, well, think of the anguish that he put Beth's mother through for three years. Rick says, you know, Beth really loves her dad. And the uh, Chief Henshaw says, well, maybe in time the court can work it out where she may be able to see her dad. But it's definitely not going to be anywhere in the near future. I can't imagine that her mother's going to let that little girl out of, out of her sight when she gets her. I can honestly see, if anything, that the mother would be suing the husband for full custody after something like that. No way is a judge not going to give the mother full custody after something like this. And Edward's like, wow, three years, you know? If only Beth had said something sooner. It's like, well, she probably was scared to the idea that her... You know, in her head, her mom doesn't want her. So if she loses her daddy, then she doesn't have any of her, either of her parents. And he's like, if only she told, like, the police or a teacher or a minister. You don't know if she goes to church or not. You know, this was a big, and, and the idea of, I can't see Beth being comfortable talking to another adult about this. She was comfortable with Rick because he is you know, he's not an adult, and he was able to help her feel comfortable enough that she could at least talk to him through her doll. So I'm going to play this clip. This story does have a happy ending. Beth's in the kitchen eating the world's biggest hot fudge sundae. Any news yet, Officer Henshaw? Looks like we found Beth's mom. All right. She arrived from Concord and positively identified her ex-husband at the police station. 
She's on her way over here now. <laughs> What's going to happen to Beth's dad? He's been arrested. Now it's up to a judge. Beth said if I told her secret, a dad could get in trouble. Well, son, maybe you should have thought of that before he took Beth, huh? Yeah. Think of the anguish he put Beth's mother through for the last three years. I just know how much Beth loves her dad. <laughs> maybe after some time has passed, something can be worked out where you can see Beth again. I've seen it happen. Three years. Only Beth had told somebody sooner. Police, teacher, minister. I'll get that. Mrs. Thompson? Y yes. Please come in. Mrs. Thompson. Yes. I'm Officer Henshaw. Shallow Springs Police Department? Yes. I'll get back. I am so nervous. I have hoped for this day for so long, I can't believe it's really here. <laughs> this is my wife, Kate. My son, Rick. Hi. Oh, thank you so much for helping me find my baby. You're welcome. goodness i'm getting teared up this is oh this is it just ended so amazingly but i want to go back and kind of go over this clip here so a police officer brings beth's mom mrs thompson over to the house and i love i love how, what kate does here it's very very maternal as she extends an arm out to mrs thompson like here let me help you because of course you know that train track is in the middle it's like the last thing you want to do in an emotional situation is trip over something and everything but it's just i just like how they're really just this is an emotional moment this woman has not seen her little baby girl in three years so beth's mom says you know i'm really nervous i just i've been waiting for this day for so long i just i didn't think that it would ever happen so, Edward introduces Kate, his wife, and his son, Rick. And she looks at Rick, and she's like, thank you so much for helping me find my baby. I'm sorry, I'm getting choked up here. This is just, this is going to go down so far. I was telling Jeremy earlier, this is my favorite season finale of the show. So, out of the two other two that I watched, this is hands down my favorite. I have not seen a series episode like this in a bit. So Officer uh, Henshaw uh, brings out Beth, and Beth kind of looks at her mom. I mean, you know it's been three years. She probably is a little nervous. 
And Beth's mom just looks at her daughter like, Beth, like, honey, do you remember me? She doesn't say that, but it's just probably what's going through her head. Beth immediately drops her doll, Mandy Jean, and runs to her mom like, Mommy! And her mother just holds her to her and hugs her. It's like, oh my gosh, she remembers me. It's like, guys, it's been three years. This girl's like probably six years old. She's probably three when she was abducted. That's a lot of time for a child. And and Beth kind of like breaks away and looks at her mom like, I, I thought you didn't want me anymore. Yeah, and her mother's like, oh, she knows me. She remembers me. It's like, yeah. I got used to uh, Aaron Gray, who plays Kate, is she's getting really broken up. I mean, just happy, sad reunion here. And just... And Beth's mom looks at Rick and at Edward and Kate. She's just, thank you. Thank you so much for returning my baby girl to me. And Edward just, you know, extends his arm out and pulls right, Rick right in. And also Kate. And they just hug. This is just... It's a bittersweet moment that has a happy ending. That's how the episode ends. There's no... It, it actually ends on a freeze frame, which most of these really don't seem to, but I think the seriousness of the episode calls for it to be a freeze frame. And guys, that's the episode. Honestly, I'm giving this five out of five trains for, for the acting, for the seriousness of the and importance of the episode. It just... For that little girl's acting, I thought she did a good job with what she was given to do. And the woman who plays Beth's mother is just, wow, just amazing. With also how they handled the situation, even though it seemed kind of easy, like, oh, she sees a picture in a book, she's familiar with it, and they kind of work with that, Brick and his dad do, on... The place of that statue that Beth recognizes it. They get on the phone to the police officer. And they check the database. Turns out Beth Thompson was abducted. So clearly they must be going by, you know, Beth Barton. Must Barton maybe is an assumed name. The last name Barton. Or it could even be the husband's name. Maybe the wife went back to her maiden name. I don't know. I don't know. But for me, everyone, you know, the adults, Rick, Beth, they acted their butts off in this episode. Uh, Henry and Tommy, I could give or take them. I really could. They just, mm. um, As far as a silver spoonful for this episode, it's like, guys, if you feel like something doesn't sound right or something doesn't look right, if you feel that in your gut, that is a gut feeling, that is into it, that's there for a reason, you need to act on it, or at least look into it, if anything else. Because you, like Rick here, could be saving a life. You could be, you know, this could end up being a situation where you need to intervene, and you need to get an adult in there. So, you know that saying they say, always go with your gut. Gut never lies. All right, let's say hey to some podcast listeners. We have Reno, Nevada, Portage, Wisconsin, Poon, India, Cupertino, California, Cedar Park, Texas, Sheboygan, Wisconsin, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, Westville, Oklahoma, Detroit, Michigan, Barcelona, Spain, 
Enfield, Connecticut, Hampshire, Hampshire, Illinois, New Hampshire, 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 uh, San Francisco, California, Carmel, California, Orleans, France, Brantford, Canada, New Milford, Connecticut, Shreveport, Louisiana, Maiden, Indonesia, guys, I apologize if I mispronounce, which I most likely have, Clinton, Maryland, Attleboro, Massachusetts, Phoenix, Arizona, Los Angeles, California, Norfolk, Virginia, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Rotterdam, Netherlands, La Habra, California, Long Branch, New Jersey, Moline, Illinois, United Arab Emirates, India, Salt Lake, Marie, Canada, Belfast, United Kingdom, Melbourne, Australia, Chandler, Arizona, New York, New York, Moss, Norway, Howard Beach, New York, Hemet, California, Marysville, Washington, St. Louis, Missouri, Citrus Heights, California, Chicago, Illinois, Brazil, Woodland, California, Sewanee, Georgia, Cape Garado, Missouri, Dublin, Ireland, Kiev, Ukraine and Mountain View, California. Alright, now as I said in the beginning of the podcast, what's going to happen now is season three's done except for three episodes. And the reason I skipped those episodes going through is because I called them the holiday-themed episodes. And if you, you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you guys know I do not do the holiday episodes until that month of that holiday so in october we will be getting season three episode five entitled a dark and stormy night in this episode it's a dark and stormy night as edward encourages rick and his friends to tell a pass the ghost story this episode will go up i think i might have it uploaded on the 31st so halloween which also i will be putting up um the other like full house halloween episode full house fuller house so you're gonna get a a a little bit a couple to a few episodes that day so look forward to that in november we're gonna get the thanksgiving episode from Season 3, Episodes 7 and 8. It's a two-parter. It's entitled Village of the Darned. In this episode, Ricky and Alfonso are disappointed when they're unable to go to a Thanksgiving party as Edward, Kate, and Dexter have decided to take them on a surprise trip to the Caribbean island of St. Ignace and the company plane, which Kate is piloting. (laughs) In Part 2, the Strattons make an emergency landing on a Caribbean island where they have Thanksgiving dinner. That sounds kind of cute. And then, of course, in December, we get it's Season 3, Episode 11, entitled Twas the Night Before Christmas. It's Christmas time, but Alfonso is sad to learn he won't be spending the holidays with his mother while Freddie and his family are homeless. So you'll get an episode in October. You'll get one in November and December, and then in January, I will start Season 4. Now, let me talk about what Season 4 is going to bring. A little uh, preview here. Straight out the gate, Season 4, Episode 1, we get a guest star. 
and not just any guest star, we get Whitney Houston as herself. R.I.P. Whitney Houston. Yes, we get that. We have Mrs. Stratton, known as Kate, building her dream house, which uh, apparently doesn't go according to how she wants it. Like, she hires some shifty contractors. Um, we get a return of Evelyn, Rick's mom. Rick's mom comes for a visit, and they discover she's broke, and she refuses to take money from Edward, so Rick asks Edward to give her a job and let her stay with them. But, of course, she's Evelyn, so what does she do on her first day? She causes nothing but problems. Right. It's nothing but issues when she comes along, right? <laughs> We also get to meet Kate's uncle Harry in The Trouble with Harry. Not the orangutan, I'm just wild about Harry, but The Trouble with Harry. Kate's uncle. Um, there's an episode called Judgment Day. has nothing to do with the Terminator. Um, when Edward lectures him about his poor geometry grade, Rick goes crazy trying to improve it. Grandfather Stratton comes back in The Barbarians. Edward's father invites him and Rick to join him at a lodge and it is there that he unleashes his wild side when he when one of his lodge mates plays a prank on him he sets out to get back at him with edward and rick's ricky's help second class parent while edward is out of town kate gives rick permission to go to fort lauderdale for winter vacation that's good see kate's a step parent now so that comes with making decisions when it comes to Rick when Edward is n not in town. We have Daddy Rick. During a mock marriage for school, Rick's classmate tells him she's really pregnant. Oh boy. <laughs> we get our first two-parter entitled One for the Road, Part 1. A new friend pressures Rick to try alcohol. In Part 2, Rick is grounded for experimenting with alcohol, but Greg still has a drinking problem. Evelyn makes another appearance with Kate and Rick out of, are both out of the house. Edward is left alone with his ex-wife. This is in Season 4, Episode 21, entitled The Way We Weren't. One of the episodes of Season 4 that I'm very familiar with, because I saw it on a rerun when I was like 10, it's Season 4, Episode 23, Rick at 16, which sounds like it's a play on that show James at 16 when he... I thought uh, James at 15, like, at the very end of that season, he loses his virginity, and then at 16, he deals with the aftermath or something. Um, In this episode, Rick asks two girls to be his date at his 16th birthday party. One is, honestly, I'm going to tell you, is a snob. We've seen this girl in the Mr. Cool episode, and she's coming back as a different character. Still a snob. And we get a sweet young girl who they put glasses on her, make her look like, oh, she's a brain, she's unpopular, but she also gets invited to Rick's party. And here's how season four is going to end, called Second Best. Rick is tired of his girlfriend, Holly, doing everything better than him. Oh my goodness gracious sake. Guys, one for the road, that one two-parter, because there's only one two-parter, surprisingly, in season four. That is probably going to be the most serious episode that you're going to get for Silver Spoons for season four. So, Also in season four, we get a new character that will carry through to season five. He 
is going to be like the new Derek Taylor of the group. So now you got Alfonso, you got Freddie for just a little bit longer, and now you have Brad, who's played by Billy Jane, J-A-Y-N-E. And it looks like season four is going to be Freddy's last, as they're bringing in this new character, Brad. Of course, it's not going to be a foursome group, it's going to be back down to a trio. Freddy's last episode of season four is going to be the Three Musketeers, and then he's done. There's no send-off, he doesn't move away, there's no real, probably no real explanation as to why his character is written off the show, but I'm guessing they need to bring in someone else. So some of the episodes, there are a couple that do stand out to me as pretty powerful. The Babysitters, which is the one I just reviewed. The other one I really liked would definitely have to be trouble with words which we I just recently reviewed not too long ago where we learned that Alfonso has dyslexia and Bruce Jenner slash Caitlyn Jenner guest starred of course one of my favorites is gonna be the two-part marry me marry me episodes where Edward and Kate get married. I had been waiting for that since I even started the podcast. I'm like, I can't wait! I can't wait! I love their relationship. I'm happy they're married. Also in season three, we got to see Rick become like a peer counselor to a young boy named Mark, who later revealed, to all of our surprise, nobody would have seen this coming, that his dad is an alcoholic. Now, if I had to give a worst episode of season three, like one that it was just off the not good, or I can even, yeah, just go as far to say just was not really the greatest. I'm going to go with season three, episode 13, The Trouble with Grandfather, where Grandfather Stratton announces his retirement just to have some fun. It was a ridiculous episode. There was no real point to it, and I honestly could have done without it. I'd have to say one of my favorite new characters of season three that we got for two episodes, Lulu Baker. Loved her. Sweetheart of a woman. I just, and that episode she was in called Lulu's Back in Town where Rick and Alfonso want to get her to buy that restaurant. And just her, you know, hearing, because her husband passed away and she used to travel the world with him. And then hearing the owner talk about how he wants to sell so he and his wife can go off and kind of retire and travel really gets to her. I liked that. And just her talking about how much she misses her spouse and just being real and open and honest with Rick. And yeah. Another guest star, guest star we got to see in season three is... Barbara Billingsley in Season 3, Episode 6, entitled, I Won't Dance. She played Rick's teacher. I thought she did a good job. Alright, so, here we go. I got, this is kind of something new I've not done. I want to do, who's the creep of Season 3? Like, a guest star, somebody, could be more than somebody, who comes on. And it's just a jerk, and luckily he's like, a, it's a one-and-done episode where, but just, 
Let me see. So here are the people I picked. We have Ledge, or Legend, or whatever you want to call him, who calls everybody Jake. He was the one who was interested in Edward's pen, his gold pen that he received from his father when he was a young boy. And the guy's just kind of a jerk, you know, just having Rick do his homework and everything like that. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. Um, we have the, like I called them in the episode, Hotshot. I thought they were brothers or something, businessmen. They're really shifty with the camera. There's them, and then there's also Mr. Snodgrass, or whatever the guy's name was, who was working with that Larry guy, who was an ex-felon, you know, who sold, like, candles with no wicks to a church, and stuff like that. So I'm gonna eliminate, I'm gonna eliminate Ledge, just because Edward ended up finding his pen. Actually, the dry cleaner found it, so, um, you know, eliminate him from the list. So now it's just going to be between Mr. Snodgrass and Larry, uh, Larry as a duo, and then we have the um, the camera creators, or, you know, the shyster business guys. Um, gosh, that is a real toughie. If I give one the award, the other one's going to be the runner-up. So, let me think. I'm... Honestly, gonna have to give it to Mr. Snodgrass and Larry, just because when they discovered Alfonso and Rick behind those boxes, they grabbed them and were manhandling them, and that is just wrong. So they're gonna get the Jerk of Season 3 award. And of course, the um, two men who sold the, sh the shoddy cameras... That Rick sold to his friends. They're going to be the runners up. Because they all they, they basically got out of Dodge as soon as, you know, uh, their faulty cameras hit the airwaves. It was on the news and everything like that. So, but they didn't go out and grab Rick and say, hey, you, you know, that was all Mr. Snodgrass. So, that's why Mr. Snodgrass and Larry get the Jerk of Season 3 award. This next and most likely last award is going to be the character who's the guest character who stole my heart. We have we have Mark from the special friend episode who was skipping school, he was getting bad grades and he reveals his father's an alcoholic. And we also have Beth who was kidnapped by her father and told that her mother didn't want her anymore. I gotta go with Beth for number one on that because honestly, I mean, yes, I felt bad for Mark having an alcoholic father, but at least his father, you know, hopefully he's gonna get, you know, help from a uh, AA. Mark's gonna get himself some help. But being abducted from your mother and being told that she doesn't want you, I feel semi-trumps that when you've been kidnapped and taken away from your mother for three years and she has no idea where you are. Yeah. Um. New addition to the cast. I gotta go with Alfonso. Which basically he is really the only new addition to the cast. 
we only had Lulu for two episodes, but she was she was a nice two part guest star. But definitely Alfonso, and I'm excited to see whether you know mentions of him having dyslexia come up in season four or not. We get a couple episodes with Evelyn in season four, so we'll see how what kind of trouble she causes because she seems to bring that in her wake. <laughs> trouble just seems to follow Evelyn, and the idea that she's broke and has no money that makes me scratch my head because she looks like she's not an idiot when it comes to money she's i mean she buys a lot of expensive stuff and she loves to live the lavish expensive lifestyle but she doesn't look like the type that would throw all her money away on a gamble or on a loss or something like that then again if she has lost her money, then maybe this is a wake-up call for her to change, you know, turn things around and maybe make a change in her life. I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, that being said, that is season three, as I just mentioned earlier, that we got three more season three episodes for October, November, December, and then in January, we're going to jump into season four and see what that has in store for us. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to, you know, 2020 and just hoping, you know, for myself that um, better things down, the, you know, come our way in 2020. We have a, this has been a real tough year, you know, as I said, with the loss of my dad in March. Oh, I just got word today from my sister that my grandma is in the hospital. It looks like she's going to be sent home tomorrow, but she's 90 and um, apparently she has congestive heart failure which really at that age I'm not really surprised but it is a shock it's like <laughs> I just lost my dad you know I can't lose my grandma too not yet not this year this is just too much <laughs> I mean my grandma spent so much time with me as a child and just taking me to movies and library reading to me and and helping me practice for my first communion and everything like that. Learning the act of contrition. And I don't think I ever learned it. But, um, no, she's always been there for me. She's been good, you know, on my birthday and sends me a card. And I always send her a card and, you know, I call her and stuff like that. And it's just, I'm not ready to lose my grandma, guys. I'm really not. I mean, if you think about it, she's the only grandparent I have left. But it's just that she gave me the attention that I needed growing up because my mom was was unable to care for me. And just, you know, we had such a special, good relationship. And, I mean, guys, she's not gone yet, but this just, I don't know. I honestly don't know much longer she's gonna have and that really scares me but as my sister said it's like you just just go and visit her more often call her more often I need to be calling more than once a month I know with everything with my dad I just have just kind of been putting a semi wall up and stuff but I really need to, to not do that so I'm sorry to end this episode on a sad note guys but 
I mean, if you've lost someone, you guys know what this feels like. It's hard. You know, life is so short. You know, our parents are grandparents they don't live forever and all we can do is just take the time and the memories that we have with them and hold on and cherish and just spend as much time as we possibly can with the time that they have and we have left so you know if you guys pray out there please say a prayer for my grandma okay thank you so much honestly also for for listening to this podcast and just i i love covering these shows for you these movies that i do i just i i love doing this because it's it's fun and it's enjoyable and i just enjoy making your days better or even you know when i'm recommending books that books that i like to read i just i like the idea that hopefully i can put a smile on your faces or make your day better that's Aside from me enjoying these episodes for myself, also helping you to enjoy them too. So, alright everybody, I will be back with a full house episode this week. Bye bye.